everyone, welcome to On the Shoulders of Giants. I am Dave, and with me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Max Krug. Say hi to everyone, Max. Hey, everyone. Great day. Hope everyone's <laughs> doing well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a great day. So Max and I have an exciting announcement. Um, so, yeah, so, so Max and I have an exciting announcement. We are going to read a Theory of Constraints book. Well, Max has read it and has learned from it, so I'm going to read this uh, this theory of constraints book. Uh, we'll go ahead and show it. It's called Synchronous Management, Profit-Based Manufacturing for the 21st Century, Volume 1. There's a Volume 1. There's a Volume 2. They're both written by a gentleman that Max learned from. Um, neither of us can pronounce his name, but Max said in class they would call him Shree. So you guys can go ahead and check the show notes and all that other stuff. Um, maybe Max will have a couple of good jokes for us. Um, about the class, this you know super in-depth engineering TOC class uh, that he learned from. But this is kind of one of the books that was like a workbook that you guys uh, learned from. Is that right, Max? Yeah, so it's basically the theory of constraints methodology for implementing um, TOC in a company okay. based on what they call the strategy and tactics tree. So Shri and then Dr. Lisa Ferguson were the two instructors. And again, I can't say Shri's full name, so I just call him Shri. So anybody that's in the TLC community knows who Shri is. I love it. No, I, I love it. And so I'm excited. I've cracked into it. If you guys uh, watch Manufacturing Hub live, I actually talked about this book. And, and I mean, so like we'll get into it for just a moment. But so I went and I cracked it open. And the first section is called Manufacturing as a Competitive Weapon. Like how could you not get pumped up for a book that is called Manufacturing as a Competitive Weapon? So uh, part of the reason that we are kind of throwing this out here now a little bit early. Max and I are going to get on the week of the 25th, April 25th, 2022 live. We're going to go ahead and talk about this. But when I went looking for this book, because Max said it was so great, the only place I could find it was used because it's been out of print for 15 years. And it Amazon said it was going to take three weeks to get there. It got there much sooner, but it was, it is a little hard to get. So if you guys want to read along, uh, absolutely go ahead and uh, and check out the book. Kind of in conjunction to that, Max and I wanted to dig into a little bit more of theory of constraints. And by that, I mean, Max is going to tell us more about theory of constraints because he he is the Jonah, right? And so the, the Jonah comes from the, the Dr. Goldratt's book, The Goal. And that the, the gentleman that kind of did the learnings and his name was Jonah. And that's why if you go through one of the programs, generally in TOC, you become a Jonah. And then there's Jonah's Jonah. And I, I think it just gets complicated. It gets more complicated from there, Max. Uh, for anyone who can't see Max, he is smiling and laughing right now because he and I have had this conversation about five times. And trust me, it only gets more complicated from there. But before we get super complicated, can, can we kind of start on the baseline? Can you tell everyone? So we want to talk about TOC and then we want to talk about implementation of TOC. Like that, that for us is the most exciting part. So can you tell us what, what theory of constraints is and in, in its most basic term, Max? Okay, so the most basic term for me, first of all, I believe it's a business management philosophy. Okay. So it's a way of running your organization. So it doesn't matter what your organization is. I don't care if you're a service organization, if you're a manufacturing organization, uh, non-for-profit or for-profit, it's a operating philosophy that you can use to run your business. Okay. So the whole basis of it is that within any system or within any organization, there can only be one limiting factor that's limiting you from more goal units. So if you're for profit, the goal units are going to be, of course, profitable dollars or whatever your currency is. If you're not for profit, it's your goal units is going to be you know, so if you're a hospital not for profit, it's going to be health units, however you measure health units. Or for mm -hmm. a school, it's going to be education, right? So what's your educational units that you measure? And so it's a way of looking at the organization and understanding what's preventing us from getting more goal units and then leveraging those resources to get more goal units, whether you don't have enough demand from the customer or you don't have enough internal capacity what do you got to do to get more goal units through your system? Okay. That's the basic principle behind theory of constraints. Okay. 
I, I love that. And, and I'm smiling because I've seen and heard Max talk about many places. So a lot of the work that I've done in the past is, is manufacturing industrial. And Max is like, oh, no, it always works everywhere. We might talk about doctor's offices or dental offices or other things Max's work just to kind of prove to the point of it, it literally goes and, and works and, and works everywhere. So um, TOC is a is flow based, right? So it's flow and it's all about identifying the constraint either designed or non-designed and then eliminating anything that causes that constraint to stop working is that yeah. uh that, that's okay so i guess l- let's talk and about how even even uh, running that constraint more consistent so yes. we get consistent output so david and i were just talking about that before mm-hmm. we came on sometimes we can run slower to get more productivity <laughs> yes so and, and that so Coming from like manufacturing, coming from the software side of wanting to build OEE, right? So OEE is a very like normal metric. And one of it, one of those metrics is performance, right? And so you always think I want to run flat out as long as I can possibly run flat out. And then at some point about a year, maybe two years into it, I had a conversation that like completely changed my perspective. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes you run slower and you run better. And it's like, what do you mean sometimes you run slower and you run better? If I run slower, my performance can never be at 100%. And it becomes the, well, if you run at 100%, but you have 20% reject parts with quality, then your quality goes down. And if you run at 100%, but you don't have the ability to feed in or pull out the material that's running through, then, then you have availability issues. So that is kind of one, that is just one metric. And so sometimes running slower is the only way you can go faster or, or the only way that you can run better um, in general. And that's so, a hard paradigm shift. It is. Um, I, I would say everything that Max talks about is a hard paradigm shift. So if you guys listen to episode three, we, we talked about productivity and Max is like this crazy person that defines productivity as doing this doing more with the same or basically doing more with less and every time i hear max talk about it like max tells me and i'm completely bought into productivity is doing more with less but max like how would you define the look on most people's faces when you're like oh you just have to be more productive and you should do more with no more resources and no more money invested than you currently have so usually the expression i get or like a a strange look on people's face, like, you know, their head turns, tilts to the side a little bit, yeah. like, what are you talking about? And then when I yeah. explain it deeper, the first thing I get is, you're nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would kind of describe it as they look at Max, like he's a three-eyed purple alien, right? It's like, it's, it's like, if I could do more with the same, I would be doing more now. Like, it, I, I am not doing, I've not called you to solve my problems, Max, because I, I'm not trying hard. Um, so I, I think that, that it's, it's all hugely paradigm shift related. So um, back to theory of constraints. Can you give us a little bit of an overview for people? So I think everyone comes to TOC in different ways. I know that you came to TOC because Dr. Goldratt was, was in the middle of kind of his, his major upswing of, of TOC as this new philosophy. But I think a lot of us who have come to TOC in the last 10 or 15 or 20 years have probably come in, in different paths. So can you kind of give us a little bit of a background on TOC and then we can talk about implementation? So um, I got introduced because I was working with a uh, manufacturing companies and of course i read the goal when i was getting my mba and so when i read the goal it's like oh this is interesting and then mm-hmm. when i met dr goldratt for the first time through the satellite series that he did i think in like 1999 it's like every issue that he talked about or undesirable effect i experienced in the company i was working in <laughs> and it's so home a little too hard yes and so right then I had a realization. It's like, wow. It's like, I've been looking at this from the wrong perspective. And so really it's looking at your organization from a different perspective and under, again, understanding that there can only be a few constraints and the whole basis behind it, because Dr. Goldratt was a physicist is that with any system, mm-hmm. 
no matter how complex it seems, there's inherent simplicity. Okay. And that's really also what Einstein was sort of some of his theories around Occam's razor was again, and then looking at systems and how complexity of systems. And if you look at any system, there's inherent simplicity, which determines the output of that system. Okay. And so Einstein also had a statement. It's like, make things as simple as possible, but not too simple. So you can get significant improvement by simplifying things but then when you start to get oversimplification the amount of effort to get simpler becomes exponential okay so understanding the inherent simplicity in the system is important and understanding what variables are actually controlling the system performance and which ones don't matter okay and again when we take that to the organization what variables affect the organizational performance and which ones don't. And if you understand which variables affect your system performance or your company performance, we need to focus our resources around that and our mindset around optimizing the, those variables. Okay. So I've said this before. So, so we, we had that whole necessary and sufficient conversation uh, yep. that Max and I will have again when we're not on site with, with terrible audio. Again, we apologize for, uh, for, for that one, guys. But well, I think my, my, my point of the whole thing is all of the ideas sounds like the, the things you just said, Max, they make complete sense. But I feel like they're so simple. I feel like a fool like trying to understand that. So Simplistic, like I absolutely agree. The goal is to make everything simplistic up until the point of it becomes too hard to simplify the system anymore. Yes. But and th those are, are really easy, like 23 words to say, but that, that it's completely different when you're standing in a doctor's office trying to understand the flow of patients in and out, or you're standing at a manufacturing facility and it's like, our line was guaranteed to run, you know, 200 widgets a minute and I can run it at 57 widgets a minute. I needed to run at 200 widgets a minute because my demand is 212 widgets a minute, right? So if I have more demand than I can produce, then the, the concept of it's simple and we should make it as simple as possible. It's a really great concept. And I think a lot of people come to TOC because of that concept, but then there's a gap, right? So that concept is like at the far left side of your, your screen and the ability to do it Re is reality like, is on the right side of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Reality is in Australia. Like, I don't know where anyone is. We don't have many Australian listeners. So reality is on Australia. If you're in Australia or the other side of the world, reality is in Alaska, right? Like it's about as far away as you can possibly be. And this is a conversation that Max and I have so often is that kind of that, that reality. So I, I think that does a good job of kind of explaining the basics of TOC. We'll get into it a bit more at, at the end and kind of talk about how the systems are, are, are set up and the people and, and the philosophies. But can, can we talk a little bit about implementation, Max? Like, yeah, so I, I, feel I, I actually have an example that might help people understand. Okay. I got called into a company because they were having huge quality issues. Mm -hmm. And so they've been working on it for years to try to improve their quality issues. So I go in and it's about looking at the system and understanding what's causing most of the quality issues. So of mm -hmm. course I use the Pareto principle in combination with theory constraints because mm -hmm. Pareto principle is a focusing mechanism. Yep. So when I go in, my first assumption is that 80% of the scrap is coming from 20% of their products. Right. That's my first okay. assumption. So I said, okay, give me your data on which products are causing the most scrap. And what I find is that most of the scrap is coming from a very few pieces of products, very few products that they're making. So there's a certain set of products that are causing most of the quality issues. Yep. Then my second assumption is that, okay, if I look at these products, and I look at the process steps they go to through 20% of the process steps are causing 80% of the defects on those products. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Then, okay. I validate that. Then I go to those processes. So I maybe have 10 processes that are making these products. Two of them mm -hmm. are causing most of the defects. 
Yes. Then I go to those two processes, and my assumption is that 80% of the defects are coming from 20% of the variables on the process. Mm -hmm. And so I narrow it down. So in four hours, I go from they have 20, 10% defect rate. I know which machine and which variables are controlling those defects. Mm -hmm. And they've been working years. And in four hours, I'm already working on the issues on the process that are causing most of their quality issues. Max, I think that that is an amazing story. And I think it just completely proves my point, right? Like people have been working for years to try to figure it out. And you're here in four hours, actually to the point of, hey, let me go look. Okay, so I've just determined like basically these are the variables. These are the execs. These are the exact things that cause 80% of our quality issues. And if we can remove 80% of our quality issues, we're going to be a highly organized, generally high quality um, organization just by removing kind of the top 80%. And then the question at some point becomes the, can we reduce that more without causing extreme issues? I think a lot of that is kind of, I mean, a lot of that is, is math as we get in there, but okay. So I think that that's a, an amazing example. And again, it's one of those examples that I'm not sure I'd believe if I haven't seen you like go through the process of doing it. And if like, if I can't hear the logic and be like, man, this logic works so well, and then go kind of uh, replicate that logic or replicate that logic with you. And it's like, yeah, it, it works. We, we, we can get to where we need to go. And I mean, the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 principle, simple math, right? Like we, we can get there. And like, if we just follow the assumption and if the assumption continues to be true, we just follow it down to the, the root cause. Um, and so, so I want to make one other comment. So, you know, I was listening to one of Dr. Goldratt's um, seminars that he did back in before he passed away and he was talking about Pareto. And so mm -hmm. he said, Pareto specifically said that if you have two independent variables, it follows the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what he also said that people don't understand is if you have dependent variables, it's not the 80-20 rule, it's 99 to 1. Okay. So we know a company is interdependent and interrelated processes. Okay. So when you have that interdependency and interrelationship, the the leverage is not 80-20, it's 99, 99 to 1. one. So I wow. can make one small change and get 99% um, improvement by making that one small change. Huh. Wow. So okay. I actually haven't gone and went back and studied Pareto's principles in detail, but Dr. Goldratt did, so I'm going to take his word for it, that if you have... Um, yes dependent variables instead of independent variables, the ratio is much higher. Okay. I mean, that, that would make sense. So as you were talking about two independent variables are 80-20, um, and then as you were talking about dependent variables, I, I figured that the ratio had to be higher. I wouldn't, uh, I, I was thinking maybe more 90-10. Uh, 99 to 1 is, uh, is much larger. Uh, wow. Okay. So... I guess let's so that, talk. So that yeah. goes back to the theory of constraint. There's very few variables that are controlling the whole system. Yes. You know, so in any organization, how many systems do we have? How many processes do we have? We have thousands. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to be focused on, you know, if we have a thousand processes, we don't need to be focused on 20% of them. No. We need to be focused on 1% of them, right? So now I take the number of processes as I need to look at and get down to one process, which is the constraint yeah. of mm -hmm. the system. Okay. So is that how we come to the theory of constraints, the 99 to one, if they're all interdependent, there is a, yep. a single constraint. Yep. Huh. It's also logical, Max. I, I've told this, I've told this to Max um, multiple times is that I'm, I'm so impressed with, with the like TOC and, and lean and six Sigma, like all of the concepts are just, so beautifully laid out and simple, but if I lived a thousand lifetimes, I'm not sure I could come up with them, right? Like they're so beautiful, they're so simple, they're so logical, but I'm not sure I would ever get there. We'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about critical chain towards the end, the project management theory in, in TOC. And you know, Dr. Goldratt wrote that on an airplane ride, like from yes. Israel to New York or Tel Aviv to yep. New York or something like that. And it's like, 
Max, I don't, don't get very much work done on long airplane rides. I certainly can't write an entirely new uh, project management philosophy. Yeah, and I, I can't do that either, where it's like, okay, I can take the undesirable effects of a, a whole system and then understand the inherent simplicity and come up with a solution to solve yes. that in, on an airplane ride. <laughs> yes, but but so I, I think that kind of brings it to the point of, of implementation. So Max and I were sitting down at a barbecue joint, and, and we were talking about TOC, and we were talking about kind of where people in the theory of constraints focus on. And I think a lot of it, especially after Dr. Goldrath's passing, has shifted to retail, right? And I, it makes sense, right? And so, project so, management. So there's a lot yeah. of people that switch into project management and then the replenishment for retail. And yes. Of course, with the supply chain issues today, you can see why the focus is there. Absolutely. I guess I, I guess the question is why? Why do people focus in project management? Why do focus people in in, in kind of retail? Is it because manufacturing industrial is hard? Is it because of the, the hands-on? Why why are there so few people working in theory of constraints and applying theory of constraints to industries that are not retail and project management? Well, it's again, leverage. So if we look at the level of improvement that can be made in project environments and the level of improvement made in the retail and supply chain, there's yeah. huge opportunities there because there's so, there's so, um, how do I want to say it? I don't want to say screwed up, but <laughs> you know, like if you yeah. look at, if you look at the project management environment and you look at the retail environment, stockouts and shortages are a huge issue. Yeah. And if you look at project management, every project is over budget late and right. Doesn't meet the, the commitments. Yes. So the amount of failures in those environments is so big. That's where mm -hmm. the leverage are. So that's why a lot of the practitioners are focused on the project management and the retail, because there's just huge leverage there. Okay. So what do we say to people looking like what what's the the best advice that you have to people looking to implement some sort of toc in the the manufacturing in the industrial in the non-retail project management space other than they should call max and dave and and we can help them out what 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 are your thoughts towards that i mean education's so key it's like yeah. try to educate as much as you can um link up I say link up with a mentor, somebody that can guide you. So mm -hmm. if you know somebody that's a TLC expert to link up with them and to be a mentor for you, I think that's the best way. Um, and you got to challenge the status quo, right? The paradigm shifts are hard. Yes. And so you got to, you know, my experience is you got to experience the negative before you can understand what's necessary to break out of that. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, all these techniques have been used. Why aren't they producing the results and why are they giving us negative effects? And then when, like when you hear a principle, you got to step back and say, okay, what are they trying to tell me? Right. So I mm -hmm. think we, we talked about in the previous podcast about Deming saying, do a process consistently, even if it's wrong. Yes. So you got to step back and say, why are they saying that? So when Dr. Goldratt has a statement, you got to step back and say, okay, why is he saying that? It's like, okay, at face value, I can believe that. But if I don't understand the reason behind why I need to do that, mm -hmm. then you're not learning. Okay. I, I would agree with that. I would say kind of one of the things that I've also found is interesting is that even people who understand the concepts of TOC, right? They, they understand the concepts of TOC. They see the same issues, right? They, they see the same 5, 10, 20 issues that most yep. facilities have, and they're still not able to enact change. And I think part of that is the ability to bring in a, a unique outside perspective, right? The ability for someone else to come in and say, hey, this thing that you've been banging your head against the wall, like this is obviously your constraint. You should look at, you know, X, Y, and Z things in order to reduce the constraint. Uh, maybe not necessarily move because there are certainly like design constraints. So, so look at ways to kind of reduce the constraint and find the ability to have more flow through the system. So I find that an outside perspective is, is interesting and generally is very valuable. Yeah, so I actually just thought of it today. It's like, because I don't consider myself a consultant because I'm not, 
going in and so my my brother-in-law always told me what's the definition of a consultant it's like where i borrow somebody's watch to tell them what time it is ah, ah. <laughs> so okay. i don't want i don't want to be classified as a consultant so i thought of a term today it's like i'm a catalyst okay so what's a catalyst it's something that's going to start the reaction right to to any system so it's like i want to be a catalyst where we come in and get people to do the right things and to get results in a short period of time yeah you don't have that catalyst it's never going to happen i okay so i i agree with that max i I think that that makes a lot of sense i guess one of the questions that that i have becomes like how how do people get there right so there aren't a lot of people implementing you know i i know there are some number of people who like do who consult maybe it's the fortune x companies maybe it's kind of any company above any company that's willing to kind of pay their fees and they go they come in they do an audit maybe they do some interviews it's not the design sprint like you and i talked about but then they kind of give them a report and they're like good luck i i think that that is very much like the the prototypical consulting. Have you found or talked to or worked with companies like that works? Like, let me give you the path and then you can go follow that. Like, how has that worked or how have you seen that work in your experience? So it, it works for the short term, but it doesn't yep. work long term. Okay. So you can tell people it's like the teaching a person to fish, right? Yep. I can fish for them and I can feed them, right? But if I, if I don't teach them how to fish, mm-hmm. right, they're going to starve. Yep. So having people come in and tell you what to do, yes, you're going to get results and you're going to get them quick, but they're not going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I would agree. So I, I've seen a number of companies, both within DOC and otherwise, kind of hire someone to come in to help to show them what to do. I have in the past kind of offered that as a, let me help build a, a roadmap or something along those lines. And I, 90%, right? 90 plus percent of those companies come in, maybe they start down the path and then kind of maybe the next shiny thing comes. And maybe it, maybe it's, they're like, oh, TSC is like, okay, but we're not getting the results we want. So now let's everyone go get certified for Six Sigma or let's everyone yep. go become lean experts and let's go cut the waste. And Max and I have droned on for, well, hours together and certainly dozens of minutes on this show talking about how, we think, you know, lean and the theoretical waste cutting, it it gets a bad rap. But I find that if they're not, if they don't have someone internally, if they don't have at least one champion to go ahead and drive those results and find ways to do it sustainably, it's unsustainable. And best case scenario, five years later, you've, you've run the gambit of, let me go look at these, let me go look at these, um, different offerings. And now we're back to TOC because TOC kind of sort of worked five years ago. I, so if someone is looking, like, are there resources available for, hey, I want a TOC expert um, in, in industrial manufacturing or in a, you know, medical professional or in a something else office to come help me do the work? Is there a resource that exists or are there just so few people that a Google, a Google search will bring you the top X number? So there's the TOC ICO, which is the Theory of Constraints International Organization for okay. Certification. So that's where most TOC professionals are certified through. And so they have the database of all the experts. They also have a database of all the marketing materials and all the stuff you can get to learn about TOC. Okay. Um, to me, but the hardest part's what well, you said, the implementation. Yeah, I understand yes. the theory, but how do I implement that? Mm-hmm. And if you're not experienced in implementation or know somebody that's experienced in implementation, the risk of doing it wrong is high. Yep. So that's why the company and I, Dave and I just did a recent design sprint. You know, we're all about PDCA, plan, do, check, act. But for this company, we said PDA, PDCA stands for please don't change anything. Yep. Because the risk of doing something in isolation and not understanding the effects of that mm-hmm. is high of doing it incorrect and getting bad results. And then that's the end of your up. Oh, TLC doesn't work. Yep. So yep. when you're starting out, one bad experience will, will kill the whole 
initiative. Absolutely. And kind of to that point, uh, Matt, Max and I have kind of changed how we do design sprints because we found that you like you have a really good first week or something like that. You have interviews, you have all these conversations and then you say something and then they just run with that idea very hard. So one of the hardest parts of talking implementation is giving people enough like you, you, you should know what the first five or 10 steps can look like. But if you tell them step 10 is we knock out a wall and we build another half of the facility, then the only thing they're going to hear is that we need to go hire a construction firm and buy six more lines, right? right. Um, and, and I have found that, uh, you know, over and over again in my career is sometimes you're like, yeah, guys, I have a really good idea for you. And it's something that we can do, but then you lose focus. And so Max talks a lot about focus, right? So you have to be focused and do doing, you know, a very small number of things, ideally one at a time yep. in order to be successful. And so the ability to bring in people who are implementers is the ability for them to maybe run two or three or four of these teams. And everyone is focused on one thing because you're not going to put a group of 10 people together and they're, they're not going to go figure out your, your scheduling. They're not going to go figure out, you know, your new equipment. They're not going to go figure out your customer support issues. Like they're not going to be able to do all of those things because then they're running in three or four different directions. And oh, by the way, we're still trying to do the job that we've been working for 40 or 50, 60 hours a week before you guys showed up. So I would say focus. And if you can bring someone in to, uh, to help on the implementation side, I guess, maybe let's try to there's be a also bit. The, there's also the factor of the ability of the culture to absorb the yes. change mm -hmm. so the other factor that's hard to measure is how willing is the organization to change willing to accept change and can i you know i can't go too fast if i start going too fast then the company can't absorb that amount of change they'll just revert back to old practices yes as soon as you're gone. having the game plan on what to do, it's like the rate which you can implement that because the culture is an important element of it. Absolutely. And I just so, learned from experience how much. So I learned <laughs> don't tell them things that they don't need to know right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like this section after we said, if you guys are looking for implementation help to come talk to Max and Dave, I feel like it was a bit of a downer, Max. So can we, can we give some people like some positive implementation uh, suggestions? So, so I guess, is there a group out there helping to build more implementers, right? Is there a group out there who is doing work to find more people that can implement TOC in areas that is not a, a retail or a project management. Yeah, I don't know if there's really a group out there. I mean, again, the TOC ICO is probably the main group. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Goldratt started Goldratt Schools to be able to develop people because same thing, if we get more and more companies on using TOC as the main way, then you need experts that can help implement this. Yes. So okay. I think that's one of the things that's preventing TLC from becoming mainstream is that there's so few true expert implementers out there that can, right? So the constraint of making it the main way is the, the knowledge base of resources that can help accelerate this. Yes. I, I would agree. Um, okay. So, so I would agree. So I guess let's try to have some positive conversation. So in regards to implementation, so you personally did some implementation with Dr. Goldratt. So, so this was a gentleman who not only like came up with this, I mean, his life's work is crazy. Every time Max and I talk about it, like the more he does, the more he, the, the, the more he does more and more. So he created the theory of constraints. Then he was consulting and implementing on the theory of constraints for the fortune X companies. Right. And at some point, Late 90s, early 2000s, he put together a team with the goal of implementing and finding what we're calling breakthrough improvement. And yep. you did some work with those. Can you tell us yep. a little bit about that work? Because I always find it amazingly interesting. So I would imagine everyone else listening will as well. So he put together what he called the viable vision. So viable vision, the goal was to take the company's top line and make it the bottom line in four years. So whatever your sales revenue 
is you're going to make that the profit of the company in four years. Which is crazy, right? Like, I'm just going to say everything everyone else is thinking. It's crazy. But like one of the concepts of TOC is we set an unachievable expectation and then we achieve it. Yep. And so when people say that I'm nuts, Dr. Goldratt was totally insane. (laughs) (laughs) And now we have the title of the episode, Max. Okay. So, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I, I imagine that they were like really good, um, like learning experiences on the implementation side. And, and I, I would imagine that these were like exceptionally, the, these companies were like exceptionally bought into the process. Yeah. So of course there's huge synchronization to be able to do that. So you can imagine you got to have all your functions in sync mm-hmm. to be able to increase capacity exponentially yes so it's not just you know improving operational performance it's getting the sales it's getting the supply base it's getting the supply chain it's getting the infrastructure it's like those have to be all done in sync i have a hard enough time just getting operations (laughs) on board let alone trying to get sales and purchasing and engineering and everyone else on board to drive that level of improvement across the organization. And so it's a yeah. complete effort. So the team was made up of, you know, sales experts, operational experts, project management experts, people from finance. So there was all functions on this team to simultaneously increase the capacity of the not only the current constraint, but following the five focusing steps, right? We understand where the constraint is now. Now we're elevating, subordinating all functions to that constraint and exponentially increasing the, elevating the constraint of the system. It's like amazing coordination. Yeah. Wow. So I I like without breaking confidentiality, can you kind of tell us how, how that went? Um, on, on your experience working with one or a couple of these? So I think they had success. It was limited because of the ability of companies to be able to absorb that level of yeah, um, yeah. knowledge and that level of growth in that short a period of time. They did come up against issues of companies running out of cash because when you're reinvesting all your cash into the growth, right? So if I'm on a growth mode, I got to buy materials at an accelerated rate, you know, depending on how much material percentages of the total sales dollars. If I'm 50% material, can you imagine? It's like I'm every profit I'm reinvesting and I still can't fuel it with cash. Yeah. There started to become issues with cash constraints because the growth was so fast that people couldn't generate enough cash to fuel the fuel the fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is a good problem to have, right? Like yes. TOC is working so well, we we need more money. And, and there are always functions of finding more money. And I would, I would almost say, as you were talking about that, Max, I feel like there are more functions in the 2020s to find that money now, especially yes. in a manufacturing industrial company than there were 20 years ago, right? Like 20 years ago, banks people you know, maybe private groups who are willing to invest lots of money because they believe in the vision of an absolutely crazy man who says, I have this viable vision and we can go top line to bottom line in four years, which is, or, or, or 4X the growth in four years, which is which is crazy. So I guess kind of transitioning. So, then there was, so cash became an issue and then the availability of theory constraints experts okay. was an issue. Because when you're on that fast of a pace, you can't afford to make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? You got to do it right the first time and you got to be prepared. You got to be three steps in front of the, the organization and the prep preparation to be able to get to that level of improvement in four years. Yes. And I, I would imagine it would take a lot of theory of constraints experts, right? It's not like yes. Max this is your facility. You get to live at it in four years. I'm going to come back and you're going to have done all of these things. I would imagine it would take tens or dozens 
of people for every facility. So have TOC implementation experts always been a, a small group, a, a group of people that are difficult to, to come find? Yeah. So, I mean, I just focused on operations, mm-hmm. you know, so you can be ex- there's people out there that do just sales. There's mm-hmm. people that are just project management. And I'm talking experts of like super deep knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So there's very, very few that have knowledge on all the, the different um, elements of TLC mm-hmm. and depth of knowledge. So I just, I made the Kansas decision. I'm just going to focus on operations yeah. and be the deepest knowledge of operations of anybody out there. That was my okay. focus, but there are people that have multiple disciplines with depth of knowledge, but those people are far and few between. And did Dr. Goldrat come up with like all four disciplines and all of the depths of knowledge of all of these things? Yes. Where that's would he a, find the time, Max? Because he, he retired. So he retired like twice in his life, didn't he? <laughs> no, so I watched one of the videos and he said, I'm retired. You know what that means? I get to work on what I want to work on. That's what retired means. <laughs> may, may we all be so lucky. May we all be so lucky. Okay. So TOC experts have always, especially implement, I guess, experts and implementers have always been difficult to come by. And I feel like one of the takeaways is that if you're a end user and you are looking for a TOC expert, you want to do some amount of vetting to like make sure they actually have done this before because the chances of failure are so high, right? Like, and I would imagine like the chances of failure and the negative effects are, are huge. So like I've seen the positive effects and I know the positive, the positive swings is we could double or quadruple something. I would imagine the negative effects are we grind everything to zero. Yes. Okay. Actually get worse results. Oh yeah. No, no. I would have been like, we're not doing well. So we'll bring in an expert and the expert takes us to the bottom. Uh, interesting. So going back to the viable vision conversation, I, I've, I've always been enamored and Max and I, Max is, been so generous talking to me about it for hours and hours over dinner. Uh, so if the viable vision, if that is an issue that we found that we in theory had companies willing to do it, and we in theory had implementers, and the issue is big feet, right? The issue is like things in our past, and we'll talk about that more in the next episode, but is also kind of like the, the companies and organizations do you think that now in the 2020s, when we're seeing manufacturing reimagined, right? So we're seeing manufacturing reimagined. We have a lot of money getting pumped into manufacturing, whether people realize it or not. Do you think that the 2020s, that there's an oppor- opportunity to have the viable vision be a viable vision? Yes, I think so. And a lot of what you do in terms of automation, I think that's the step forward. Yes. But so many companies can't find people. Well, if I need to grow 4X in four years, mm-hmm. how many people do I need to do that? It's like we can't find enough people to fuel that. So Absolutely. I think the level of automation that's out there now today, that's a key component to be able to get this off the ground and get that accelerated growth. I, I would absolutely agree. I think that the automation opportunities, so automation has been a thing since, I mean, before either Max and I were, uh, were alive, people have automated, people have built systems with relays and timers and, and all of those things. And so those have been around forever. I think especially with uh, a lot of the data-driven opportunities that we have, like, I find having, and, and like basically the exact same thing in the automation space, Max, I could probably list on, I don't know, one hand, the people I know who are like actual experts at a single, you know, a single set of processes or a single set of, you know, a single platform and they can go kind of take everyone up and down the, uh, up and down the ecosystem to get the most out of a process. So I think similar to that, I think there's the opportunity to to marry automation, to marry data, to marry what may become data science in our spaces in with the concepts of TOC. And if we can find that opportunity, then I think viable vision is, is certainly viable. I feel like now is the time, especially as we have a lot of turnover at the top, I feel like now is the time, especially 
as we've got a lot of money and a lot of reshoring and a lot of companies either restarting or rebuilding their their U.S. Uh, kind of everything to be able to go take that and make huge changes and, and huge um, expansions in a short period of time. So I feel like now is the time. I'm not sure there's ever going to be a better time than now. And uh, I mean, I, I th- we need more experts. I uh, that that has been I don't know that that has been what we've been saying for the last 20 years, right? We, we need more experts. There are a lot of people in their 60s and 70s who were the experts that are now retiring, and we need kind of that that next generation of experts. Um, I especially like the, the TOC ICO. I hope at some point again that they have a in-person real life conference and uh, yeah. Max and I can go to that in-person real life conference. Maybe we get to tell them. And I'll how be we, speaking at that next one. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe Max and I can, can do a presentation on how we can marry automation and, and TOC in order to, uh, in order to find some of those breakthrough achievements. Um, Absolutely. I would also say that if you guys are interested in learning more about this, again, uh, last week of April, Max and I are getting together. Uh, We will drop links in all of the posts and on manufacturinghub.live, which is where the show lives. We're going to go through the synchronous management profit-based manufacturing for the 21st century volume one. Uh, It is very much a very interesting workbook on like how we can go through and implement um, actually I was kind of sad to see that it was out of, uh, like Max talks so highly of it and I go through and I flip through it as I get it. And I'm like, this is amazing. And it, it's out of print. And I'm like, Max, th- th- like we need to reprint. actually what we need to do is we need to reprint all of the TOC books, but we have to change all the titles. Like titles are hard, but everything titled in theory of constraints are just like the worst titles imaginable other than the goal. Like, I love the goal. Like, Dr. Goldratt wrote the goal and we've just gone downhill on titles uh, from that point. If I bet if we retitled the things and republished them, they'd be on top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Yes. um, But but we'd also like the listeners to give us feedback on what knowledge they think would be helpful to have. Yes. Right. Because I can develop some of that knowledge base also, because from my experience, Mm -hmm. I have a ton of experience and a ton of things I know what to do. And it's like, it's not general knowledge in the TOC community because it's like what I learned. It's like when I write the book, right? That knowledge will be out there, but I just don't have time to write the book. So yes, if people uh, are looking for what specific knowledge they'd like to have, we can start working on finding resources. And um, yeah. if those resources aren't available, developing it ourselves. Absolutely. So Max has developed a insanely large amount of resources and other things that he uses internally. Um, Some would say it's over the top, but uh, Max always has a slide deck for the conversation you're having, which is, uh, which, which is very impressive. Uh, So speaking of resources, Max, I know that you've been working on a micro credential course. Is that live? Is that something? It's close. Okay. So we're working on a micro credential just on operational excellence. My, um, we call it the foundation course. Mm-hmm. We hope to have that launched in another month. Okay. So end of so April, May, about the June. slide deck. Yeah. So I, so I, my joke is like, there's three types of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just a general question is, okay, it's an okay question. That means that, I know the answer and I have a slide deck that shows the answer to that question. A great question or a good question is, I know the answer, but I don't have a slide deck for that. A great question is, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for great questions because that's the yes. only way that's going to build my knowledge base. Absolutely. And I would say that that is kind of always the goal is to go find those great questions. And the only way you can build your personal knowledge base and kind of the community's knowledge base is to go is for people to ask you great questions. Like if we had great questions ourselves, we would go find the answers. Um, the only way to get better and at what you're doing is to go find or have people ask you those great questions. So my dad makes this great analogy about questions or, or great questions, right? He tells everyone, um, all the people that have come to work for him over the years of the only way you learn everything, anything is for someone to ask you a question that you don't know. Then you have to go work hard to find the answer to that question. And that becomes the proverbial grain of sand on the beach, which will be the knowledge base of your life. Yeah. And 
love it. The, yes. And, and that, that is the only way we learn things. And the only way you get to be the, the Max Krug of the world and be able to like, I don't know, I'm going to call him one of the preeminent uh, TOC implementation experts um, in the world. He would probably disagree with me, but, but he's just a lot more humble. And I get to go ahead and say these things because, because I am the other host that that is what I have found having the, having the channel allows me to say Max is I get to say the things and, and you can go ahead and be, uh, be slightly embarrassed uh, by what, uh, what we've come out with. But, uh, but no, so I think that this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, so we'll go ahead and drop links below if you want to connect with Max and I either on LinkedIn um, or via email. You guys can absolutely go ahead and check out Future State Engineering. We will have the information when it becomes available as to Max and I when we go live uh, to talk about the synchronous management handbook. Max also does a very interesting synchronous flow course or I guess it's not a course. It is a, a live, a live interactive workshop that he does about once a month. So we will go ahead and drop those links below as well so that you guys can go ahead and sign up for that. It is a, it is about four hours. So it is a commitment, but if you're like mid to high management and you want to know how flow works, it is well worth your time. I, I've gone through it a number of times. And if you want to talk about mindset, mindset, change and shift there, there's just about nothing better to uh, to do that than go watch how well basically max just spends four hours proving that he's right on everything we, we could change the name of max's synchronous flow course to max is just right about everything here let me take a victory lap as we you go roll the uh, roll the proverbial dice and if you've um, gone through it before i recommend you know you can go through it again so um we have a resource that we're bringing on to help us on a project. And so he's gone through the workshop three times, probably in the last three months. Mm -hmm. And he said to me after the third session, he goes, I finally understand what you were saying. Ah, 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 okay. Okay. I, I, so one I, time I, going through it, you'll learn some stuff. The second time you'll learn more. The third time you'll probably understand it. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. So I would say that the more experience that you have in scheduling and flow and especially uh, yeah, scheduling and flow, uh, especially with like multiple dependent stations, the uh, the easier it makes sense um, as you go through it. But it's certainly worth the time. So we will say thank you to, uh, to everyone. We will catch you in your earbuds uh, again next Tuesday. Uh, at some point. So Tuesdays at some point, come check us out. If you guys have not already, check us out on the show on manufacturinghub.live, which is where the whole Manufacturing Hub network, uh, including this show and my Wednesday live show lives. Um, and until then, we'll, we'll see you all soon. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.